Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, welcome back to our Memoirs of Abiding podcast, where we have been talking about abiding in conflict, specific conflicts. We just got off of two weeks in a row talking about abiding in poor governance, and I'm excited to continue on this road and talk about these things. I've got Ricky Lee Brooks back with me. Ricky, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Glad to be back. I've got a tricky one for you today, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be seeing where you sit with these. <laughs> <laughs> Not we might be in conflict. We we definitely could be, yeah. Especially on the last point. But today I want to talk about abiding in vocational conflict. And vocational is simply meaning at a job, what we do for a living. So I, I came up with three main stream conflicts, I'm going to call them, that I have observed in my own vocations, but I've also heard from others in different groups, not only in our discipleship groups, but also in some of the other groups that I'm involved in. And so the three that we're going to talk about today, the first one being conflicting ideologies or ideologies, that can also mean many different areas, but politically that can mean that can mean um, in certain senses, you might even go philosophies on there if you want to, but we'll talk more about that one. The second one is on conflicting theologies. This might be someone, if you work at a place that has differing faiths than yours, or even within the body of Christ, people who believe different things. You know, the Sabbath is Saturday. The Sabbath is Sunday. The Sabbath is Friday. Uh, things like that. And the last one is conflicting personalities. What happens when we at our vocation find that maybe we're the only one who's an extrovert and it stresses people out? Or or maybe we are a hard worker and we're working with a bunch of slothful workers who just refuse to do anything or they don't show up to work on time or, or do anything. So how do we how do we abide through these? And I wanted to go through this, Ricky, and, and for all of our listeners, because I honestly don't see a lot of this. We hear a lot of stories in the news or, you know, outside on, on different blogs or forums. I'm like, what am I supposed to do as, as a Christian when I come up against some of these things? So I wanted to address this because, honestly, a lot of this is going to sound the same if you've heard our other podcasts maybe different scripture for specific points, but ultimately abiding is not just about like talking to God through prayer, reading about God in the Bible and listening for God's leading through the Holy spirit. But this is a, this is a lifestyle. This is something that should drive 
our decisions, both in the religious realm and our faith realm, but also in every other area, physically, emotionally, vocationally, financially, all of these areas should be driven by our abiding in the Lord. Would you agree with that, Ricky? Yes, ab- absolutely. Because there are some huge generalities that would apply in all of these areas. If we're abiding in Jesus the way he teaches us to, and he teaches us by showing us how he did it, does it with the Father, even says that as I abide in the Father, you abide in me. When you stop to think that for Jesus to abide in the Father meant that they were in perfect agenda harmony. They were in sync with one another. And he wants his followers to be in agenda harmony with he and the Father and the Holy Spirit, to be in sync with them. Then abiding becomes that as we rest in Christ and we're transformed by his word, his truth, his person, his presence, we become more like him. Our fleshy minds, the hauntings, the inclinations left over from before we were born again are overwritten by the truth of God. So more and more we begin to think as the Lord thinks. Well, that's a huge generality, but it it applies, doesn't it, in all in everything that we do. So can we do that if we are not really faithful, careful readers and students of all of the word of God? Can we do that if we are not intentionally partnering with God to become more like the Savior? Can we do that if the only way we go about that is showing up at church on Sunday and calling it good? And you can see where I'm headed with this. The very idea of abiding in Christ is an all-consuming walk with Jesus that our discipleship causes us to be his followers, which means we're imitators of him. We become like him, how he thinks, how he feels, how he responds. And if we're able to do that, then whatever situation we're in, we will then know the nuances of his character and his truth. As we see those nuances in different places in the Bible. And we'll know when to apply each of those and how to apply them and how persistent we should be, or or is it a time to walk away? So a lot of those answers come back to the big generality of what it means to abide. And I'm excited for this one because we'll be able to look at it, probably several different passages of Scripture, and see how that portion of God's Word applies to looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus in these particular situations. Yeah. (laughs) let's go all right so our first area conflicting ideologies or ideologies so as i abide in the lord i may find my position to be at odds with those around me i'm thinking 
in the news over the past eight years, 10 years, uh, you hear stories of teachers in schools and teachers are being required to teach certain things. Maybe they don't necessarily believe in those. Uh, maybe they're being told that they have to treat students a certain way and it just seems wrong to them. Like it's, it's absolutely wrong in their mind. They're very conflicted in it. And I've, I've heard a good number of teachers say, I don't, I don't feel right doing any of this. This doesn't feel okay. We can also look at medical professionals, nurses or LPNs or doctors or midwives or any of these individuals being told that they have to fall under some new scope that hasn't been around before. Um, maybe forcing, being forced to operate or to transition people, maybe being told that they have to follow certain rules or go along things that have never really been mainstream medical practice, but all of a sudden it is a new outlook. And this isn't something that's backed up by medical journals. It could be something that's just new ideologically. I'm, I'm thinking peace officers, police officers, security forces that uh, find themselves being told they have to treat a certain group one way and a certain group another way, or told that uh, they have to let this person go, but they don't have to let this person go. And deep in their mind, they say, this is wrong. That You, you know, we're all created equal in God's eyes. I need to treat my fellow man, my fellow woman the same way. Why am I being told to do these things? And if I, if I fall out of line, does that mean I'm, I'm up for being fired or punished? Um, or government employees. I remember the story right or wrong. I, I, I'm not here to debate that one that comes to the individual conscience of the, the believer, but there was a, I think it was a court clerk that originally when maybe 10 years ago or maybe longer ago. I can't remember when it was, but she uh, she was refusing to sign the, the marriage certificate for a gay marriage. And I, Ricky, we're not here to <laughs> debate that side. But what I want to say is, what if I, as a believer, find myself in one of these cases where I know deep down inside of me, I don't feel right. I know I do this job, and I have this job to bring in money to support myself, my family, if I have kids or if I have a, you know, a second generation of family in my house, like a grandparent or a mother, father that I'm taking care of. I need this money to take care of my family, those who depend on me. So I, I need to I need to keep my job. But at the same time, what do we do when we find our current employer or even other employees that we work with differ from us in this ideological political spectrum. How do we abide through this? Hmm. <laughs> that is, uh, that's not another of those wonderful questions that leads to wonderful answers and solutions that are simple in the statement and profound in in the experience because they're not hard to answer if we come back to the character of christ the person of christ the apostle paul said for 
me to live is Christ, right? It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that dwells within me. Uh, he's, he's making the point that, that the character of Jesus is overriding the ways of his past. The solutions of God are becoming the primary worldview of a believer. And by worldview, I don't just mean the philosophical, theological framework, the propositional truths of the word of God. But the mind of God, the truth of God, is overriding the old inclinations that I learned along the way before becoming a follower of Jesus, and maybe continued to learn even after becoming a follower of Jesus because I didn't receive the kind of discipleship, training, mentoring that the Bible talks about. So what are we supposed to do when those those ideologies are in conflict? I think one of the first things would be to discern, are they gray areas? You know, we have differences of opinions on some of these things. Are they, or are they not gray areas? They're black and white area, areas, and the word of God speaks directly to them. Like some of the things that you were alluding to in that question. And if we put it, say, in the framework of a doctor who maybe, or a nurse or, or another medical profession, who in their given circumstances have been told by the hospital they work for or the medical society or whatever it might happen to be, that they have to perform certain kind of procedures, uh, that they don't have a choice. They may very well be in a position of having to say, I can't do that. And then what are they supposed to do when they find themselves recognizing that in order to be like Jesus, to abide in his word, or another phrase that Jesus uses that is synonymous to abiding in his word is obey his commands, obey his teachings. And they're just synonymous. They're, they're not like one is, you know, you better do it or, or else. And the other is a cute way of saying it. It's, it's just that if we truly are in agenda harmony with one another, will delight in doing like the other. And in this case, it's this in this in this case, it's us becoming like the Lord, because <laughs> certainly God's not going to become like humanity in the sense of following our our character. So if that's the case, then it could be a really profound moment in time for a person where they might have to sacrifice their work, their job. But but maybe it's doesn't maybe it doesn't come up to something that strong. Maybe it is they want the day off on Sunday so they can go to church. Hmm. Now that becomes a little less dogmatic than, say, for instance, being involved with abortion or gender reassignment surgery. 
And and why is it? Uh, because there are certain things that the Word of God talks about in very certain terms, thou shall not, right? There are other things that we do by biblical convention that God doesn't say we must do on every occasion. For example, there's a passage in a New Testament letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, I think, verse 25. Uh, Let us not forsake gathering with one another to encourage one another and stir each other up for good works. It doesn't mean we can never miss going to church, right? It doesn't mean that if our local church opens the doors at 9.30 in the morning, we have, you know, Sunday school for children and a Sunday school class for adults and then a church service for everybody, that we have to show up for that every time or else. So it, it's that passage in Hebrews 10.25 is more general. You know, don't don't become absent an absentee believer. Don't start avoiding meeting with other believers for fellowship and encouragement and learning and teaching and prayer and service. Don't, don't become a maverick. Uh, don't stand outside the circle of God's family. So maybe a person's profession requires that they go to work on Sunday or maybe go to work on Sunday sometimes. Well, they could then quietly and gently, like Jesus would do, talk to the boss. Hey, would it be possible for me to get as many Sundays off as I as I can? Uh, but not going to church on Sunday doesn't prevent a believer from going to church. And there are passages in Scripture that, that exhort us not to make more out of the particular day than we ought to. Because it's not about the day so much as it is about the function. It's not the form that's important. It's the function. And what's the function? You know, believers get together to encourage one another, to worship God as a group, to pray with one another and exhort one another and depend upon one another. But when it comes to issues that are more black and white, like not taking innocent life, not violating the order of humanity, like male and female, things like that, we might be in a position, if we're going to be like Jesus, to say, you know, Lord, I I wish I didn't have to bear this cross, but it looks like I'm in that position right now. So be with me, give me strength, give me courage, and help me bear this cross. Now I could I could do one of two things. I could object to her to that ideology and say I'm not going to do it. Uh, but then our task is to be like Christ or like the apostles and the prophets when they did commit civil disobedience. They they paid the piper. They stood out by by the punishment that their particular authorities in that situation put upon them as opposed to taking 
that that unbelieving world to court, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so when we, I want to stop you there real quick. When sure. when we're talking about these gray areas versus the black and white, the black and white being definite, like this is clearly against scripture. We've talked about before the moral will of God as found in His Word and the Bible, and both the New and the Old Testament. We can see the the things that God focuses on. Jesus focused on them. Uh, before that, the prophets talked about it. We see it in the Psalms. We see it all the way back when God the Father um, commanded through Moses the um, the Ten Commandments, as well as the other six hundred some odd that they mm-hmm. had through all of Exodus and Deuteronomy. And what we're saying then is the black and white is God said in his word, hey, listen, this is a big point. We're not going to do this. Or to the point, we will do this. You will do this. Why? Because it is best for you. And this is what I've I've called you to do, right? Whereas the gray area might, might be something to the effect of uh, I'm looking at you know, a vaccine, right? Do I have to take a vaccine? Like that was a big push, right? In 2020, 2021, Um, you know, at the time I was working for a a Fortune 500 company and it was, they were talking about if you didn't get the vaccine, then they were going to impose all these additional mandates on you. And, but I've heard other places like medical professionals, they were pushed out of the industry because they were refusing to take that. So, could that be a, a gray area or is there a spot in scripture that we can clearly see something that says, Hey, you, you shall, or you shan't, shan't. <laughs> I think shan't's a good one. You shall or shall not uh, do this. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, I think you're spot on. And I think anybody listening to you knows exactly what you're talking about. I think sometimes it's really black and white, and other times it's 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 nuanced. Well, the Bible even speaks to that uh, in the book of James. Uh, James, the person whom God inspired to write that particular letter, uh, part of it, you know, says, uh, "For those who know to do right and do not do it, it is sin to them." Mm. There's a sense there that there may be areas that I know are sinful for me to do, but it, but it's not the it's not necessarily the the general i the the general idea of well I know that sin so I shouldn't do it. There are some areas in life that I should not be involved in that maybe somebody else is, and as long as those things are not you know, directly addressed in the word of God, they're, they're those gray areas, those life choice areas that sometimes we make that God didn't necessarily address. There may be, I might, when I do it, I might know that I am not dependent upon God. I'm, I'm going my own route. I'm doing my own thing. And there for me, I, I need not to do it. Whereas somebody else could say, Oh, I could do that. I, and, you know, there's any number of things that are like that, you know, uh, yeah, you know what we see at movies for some believers, they just can't go. For others, 
you know, they might see something in the movie that is, well, no, they probably, whatever movie they go to, they're probably going to see something that violates the, the will of God, the truth of God, but it doesn't cause that believer sin. Because where can you go in, in human society and not see stuff that is sinful? But you, know, you can't escape it. Or modern so whether, music. Yeah, so if it's music, art, movies, workplace, school, you know, wherever it might happen to be, does it cause me to stumble? Well, then I need to separate myself from it. If it doesn't and I can endure it, and I'm not and I'm not involved in the sin, then I can walk safely in the presence of God through that dark valley. So here's where knowing how to abide in the Lord, pouring the word of God into us, or how it says in Colossians 3:16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? How do we how do we re, how do we allow God to reformat our thinking, our mind, our brain waves, everything through his truth, his word, rather than the lenses that have, we have developed in our sight in the world apart from him? Because apart from that, it's hard to make these choices. So to the person who might not know the word of God really well, and you're faced with these kind of dilemmas, it would be really important than to talk to somebody who knows the word of God much better than you do. And it's actually interesting that you say that because, I mean, we obviously we focus a lot on reading God's word and we specifically tailor that to for transformation. The whole purpose of the transformation is so that we become more like the Savior, Christ Jesus. And the more that we become like the Savior, Christ Jesus, the more that we can have discernment and identify gray versus black and white and to know, okay, this is absolutely wrong and I need to stand on this or I can put up with this and it's not causing me to sin, though I don't like it. But I, I found that in my own walk when it came to a job. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I conflict with my employer on this specific set of values, let's say. And it was like, okay, well, do I, do I leave because of this? Like, I, I just, it, I don't know. And, uh, the more I read God's word, the more I realized, man, this was, this was something that I was struggling with. Not necessarily that God would say, Oh, you, sh you shouldn't be working there, Chris. And so the more I read God's word, the more I become more like the savior the more that I can discern and have wisdom yes. to realize, hey, this isn't for me. Or, you know what? The money is great, but I just, I can't do this job. This is just not something I can do. So, yeah, I think you're dead on with, with reading scripture there. Let's go to the second one, though. The theology one. This, the first thing that came to my mind was pastors, administrators, uh, even people who work at schools, let's say you work at a, a Christian school, or maybe it's a private school, but it's not necessarily a Christian or parochial school, but it it has certain belief systems attached to it. And maybe their theology at that school differs from yours. Uh, so I guess in this one, talking about major and minor disagreements, 
what does it say compared to scripture? If I'm looking at my job and they, they say, yeah, you know, we're a Christian school. You, you're a janitor or a cook or a teacher or administrator. And they say, yeah, we, we believe in the Trinity. We believe that Christ died on the cross. Um, we believe that, uh, you know, the, the tribulation is post-rapture. So then they start, but maybe all of a sudden they're, they differ because maybe they're Calvinists. And so they have a different viewpoint on, you know, free will. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, that's your Calvinists. I I'm not a Calvinist. Okay. <laughs> well, does it, so let's, let's dive in then and not necessarily on that specific term, because I don't want it to sound like we're Christian Scientologists where there's a set path for every single person to know the exact path. But this is going back to illumination and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to communicate to you in your own time and to find the wisdom in God's word. What happens when we see like a, a, a perceived disagreement like that? Maybe Catholic versus Protestant or maybe maybe even past that. What if I'm working for a specific uh, 501 or, you know, a, a nonprofit that uh, aligns with Islam, is is Muslim-based? Uh, but, you know, my skill set fit really well into this specific job, and, and I, I do really well in it. I just, I don't really necessarily believe theologically the same thing as them. So help help guide us on this thinking with this this whole prefix here yeah. how do we how do we get into this prefix pref, uh, preface there how do we get into this idea where, where do we draw the line i guess yeah that's another really good one you know i could speak to it in a lot of different ways by example among pastors and pastoral staffs at churches with that have more than one one pastor I've seen pastoral staffs come to some serious, ugly conflict over theological issues. Yeah. And it's, and, and, you know, you hear about, you know, uh, the, the old, uh, kind of a, a crummy joke, but the old joke about, and I'll say it cause I, I'm a pastor of a Baptist church. Hey, did you hear about the Baptist doll? Yeah, you wind it up and watch it do the splits because they're they seem to split all the time. There's church splits. Uh, uh, I get that. Well, those are rarely over foundational doctrinal issues. They are usually over personality conflicts, secondary theological issues, things like that. So, you know, if if a pastor is denying the Trinity. If the if a pastor is denying the incarnation, if a, a pastor is denying the authority and inerrancy of the Word of God, those are foundational, matter-of-fact truths. And it would be cause for, you know, you, you, you can't pastor here kind of thing. Well, the mature... Christ-like thing to do would be as a pastor who, 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 who maybe changes his, his perspective on these things is to say, well, I also know that another hard and fast desire of the Lord is not to cause 
uh, division in the body of Christ. So I'm not going to fight the issue. I'm going to gracefully bow out. That's what should happen. Uh, but usually, but more often than not, people don't bow out. They fight and they split churches. They cause disruption. And oftentimes it's not even over foundational issues. I, I suppose you could argue that, you know, if you believe so strongly that it's a foundational issue, you might argue your point. Um, but secondary issues like, you know, is the rapture going to occur before the Great Tribulation, in the middle of the Great Tribulation, or after the Great Tribulation? A lot of people are like, what is he talking about? That's my point. There are things that some people don't even know what I meant right then yeah. but churches have split over those issues that should never happen we don't fight about those things we if we're going to be like christ we become gracious to one another and if i find myself at odds with you know my the theological position of a church or organization i'm involved in and it's not foundational i should just be polite and say i can no longer serve here and look elsewhere. You brought up also, though, but what about the Christian who might work for an organization, maybe the CEO or the the owner or the family that owns a business is of a different religion or something along those lines? Yeah. I think a Christian could work for in a situation like that. Just like I think a Christian can go anywhere in the world and fit in, Right. Then the question becomes, can I faithfully follow Jesus in this setting? And if the answer is yes, then then be like Jesus and be salt and light in, in the world, right? Be be a great example of Jesus in the in the environment in which you're 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 taking part in. If that organization says you can't talk about that theological persuasion or you can't talk about your faith or they have practices that violate our theological biblical positions then that's a different thing altogether and we might find ourselves having to say i can't do that i can't do that and i might have to leave so Again, it all comes back to how well we know the Word of God, right? And so that the word you use, discernment, I can I can make real Christ-centered discernment in all of those. It's really too too bad that too often pastors and theologians create blanket statements and people try to cover all of the nuanced situations they are involved in with that blanket statement. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm never going to work any place like that. And then we lose all kinds of evangelistic opportunities or, you know, I have to have my job. So sorry, I'm going to have to leave some things at church on Sunday. You know, both both of those extremes are just nonsensical in a biblical worldview. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand when we're working for an organization that has differing values and faith 
than us, whether it's minor disagreements in denominations, whether it is a completely different religion, faith, or whether it's one that, you know, might even um, be heretical in your own opinion, you know, like you, you see it as a, it, a the family or, you know, and you said a good one, what if it's a small business or something? And the family is very much a, a certain cultist group uh, and cultists meaning like one of those they don't they get they uh cult cult groups get away and, and try to get out of the cult idea and so oh. they're high requirement or high um so you know what what about these groups that are seen by the mainstream christians uh, as heretical what do i do well i think it goes back to where do you sit with the Lord? And we can even go into understanding, you know, the law of love, but understanding the the whole requirement, not the requirement, but the basis of the law of love. Listen, I don't eat meat around a brother who struggles with that, because as Paul talks about when he's talking about the eating the meat and not eating the meat in front of a brother, that was centered around the all the meat. Back in that time, I think it was in Ephesus, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it was in other places, but the food was being sacrificed to idols. Yeah. And, and so if that caused someone who came out of that lifestyle to stumble and to fall back into that belief system, then I'm causing them deliberately because of my freedom in Christ. I don't struggle with that. So I could eat ribs. But all of a sudden, that person struggles because those ribs are sacrificed to Baal or whatever, and therefore they fall back into that. Well, I'm not going to do that then. I, I'll I'll eat some veggies. That's okay. Maybe I'll fast. It doesn't matter. But now let's think about it in this perspective. So as I now fall into that, and I have to discern for myself. Good thing. Good thing, good thing that the train's not very far away. It's going to get a bottle. Get a bottle next time. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. So <laughs> with the law of love, let's discern for ourselves if we're the weaker brother. So if yeah. I'm at a job and I'm working for individuals, is my working there around them? And this could be even an atheistic approach. This doesn't necessarily need to be um, a, a specific organized religion. But the the lack of religion, which is a religion in its own, which is atheism, if I'm in that environment and they're constantly pushing this different theological position or lack of one on me, am I the weaker brother in that situation or that circumstance? And is that going to lead me away from Christ? If it is, then it's not tenable and it's not worth my my job it's not worth my my life my spiritual foundation in that case it may be that i need to leave immediately or or at least start seeking another job and if the worry in that case and even before in our previous question if the worry is well i i can't pay for my bills okay but remember matthew talks about that in in chapter 6 don't worry about what you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. I'm, I'm adding stuff there, so don't. 
don't take that. Read it in Matthew 26 verses, uh, was it 25 through 36, something like that. Seek first the kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So yes, I know it looks right now that you have to have that job, but if that job is leading you away from Christ because of their theological position, it's not worth it. What, what, what benefit is it if you continue to, to gain money for this life, but you lose your faith, you walk away, you know, that, that's, that's not the way. But on the other hand, let me ask you this, and this is rhetoric, but if you look at that situation and you say, you know what, it's really hard to work for these people. It's not really driving me away from Christ, but it certainly adds a lot of difficulty in my life. Well, that's the gray area, right? That we keep talking about, Ricky, is, okay, there's difficulty. God didn't call us to an easy life when we walked into this Christian walk. The The apostles, for one, showed this. <laughs> it was not an easy life. Even as an apostle, when they were in leadership position, we think leaders sometimes have it easy. But, you know, you have widows that are saying, this isn't fair. You have these other issues that come up in the church. You have all of these different doctrinal things that they have to reconcile. They have these different heretical beliefs that are coming up and they have to correct the churches. There's a lot of stuff. So where do I sit? You know, do, do I sit here and say, Hey, you know, this is tough. And so I should probably leave my job because I differ with my boss and you know, our, their, their belief system. Well, I think that's a cop out. And I think that goes back to what you're saying, Ricky, and that we're, we're losing out on an amazing ministry opportunity. But on the other hand, if I stick to that and I depend on the Lord and I surrender and submit the difficulties, the thorn in my side that potentially I have in this job, that maybe it's an individual, maybe it's the company's philosophy or, you know, what doesn't matter. But if I stick to that, can God be glorified through me? Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah. that's huge. That's, that's our, our, one of our main focuses on this earth is shining the light of Christ to others, right? The, the Great Commission, go throughout all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things I've told you. We said that yeah. in the last podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's big. How do I do that if I keep walking away from non-Christian jobs and saying, oh, well, it was too tough? Well, it is tough. And no. you just, you have to get to the discernment side of, is this something that's going to cause me to stumble in my walk with Christ? And if it is, is this something that I need to walk away from? Yeah. Or, or cause somebody else to stumble. Right. And you gave an example earlier about the, you know, like a County clerk or something. I remember that case. I forget. It was in the news years and years ago about the, the clerk didn't want to, if I remember right, sign a marriage license for uh, a gay couple, I think it was. Yeah, Alabama. And, and, you know, is it that person's right to do that? Yeah, I suppose so. We live in a land of freedom, right? Uh, is Is it morally okay for that person to make their point yet yeah, you know we have a right to 
and we have a, an obligation to share the truth of God, right? But we, what you've seen in previous podcasts, that when we do share the truth of God, and we always should share the truth of God, we should be willing to deal with the consequences that the world throws our way. Mm-hmm. We always see that in Scripture. Now, do we have a right to access whatever mechanisms our particular culture in which we live utilizes to oversee those kind of conflicts. We also have a right to do that. Like the Apostle Paul appealed his case to Rome rather than having it tried by the Jewish leadership. It's okay to do. But he's still submitting to the authorities, and he still submitted to the ultimate findings, you know, and he lost his life, you know, for what he was wanting to tell people about the Lord's love. So in that particular case, all of those things are open to that person. They could say to their boss or, and then if it, if, if it, that word leaks out and the newspaper reporters come, they say, well, I just don't believe in that. However, and therefore I just couldn't sign it. I think they could have taken another approach and it would also be okay. They could say, in our state, you know, it recognizes marriage. You know, just like the United States, the Supreme Court decision threw open the doors to say that marriage is not just between a man and a woman. So now, can I work for the county clerk's office and issue the license because that's the law of the land? I think I can. Even though I don't <clears throat> agree with it, I can I can do that. If in my life I am making this statement, I, I don't agree with this, but I'm not the arbiter of the rules of our community. And I'm not supporting what this particular uh, allowance calls for. I'm, I'm completely against it. So that doesn't mean I'm involved in the sin just because I signed them. I, I am the clerk and I signed their, their license. And it could be that I don't think everybody in the, in the world is entitled to a driver's license. But if they pass the exam, they get their driver's license. Uh, it might not be exactly the same thing. But I think my point is pretty clear. And I think scripture points this out Uh just like you were talking about the law of love. And we get that from like 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 Corinthians 10, Romans 14, where it talks about the, the, the idols and the temples that were in the cultures of the first century and meat was sacrificed to these idols. Well, can a believer eat the meat that's sacrificed at the, at the temple? And the word of God says, yeah, if it doesn't cause you to stumble, if you don't fall back into idol worship, you know, buy your meat from the temple. It might be cheaper than getting it from the other butchers and 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 enjoy it. However, if you're walking with what the term you used, a weaker believer, that's not necessarily weaker in faith. It, it means they're weaker in knowledge. And if they then see me going to the temple and purchasing meat, a stronger believer, 
in that particular area, meat sacrifice to idols, they might go, oh, well, Ricky's doing it. I'll do it too. And because of the weakness of their faith in that aspect, they go there, they might stumble back into sin. I shouldn't take liberty with my with my actions if it's going to do harm to other people. Once again, we come to the the great vital necessity of abiding well in the Word of God so that we can make much better choices rather than those uh, uh, shooting from the hip kind of thing. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I don't yeah. believe in that. I don't believe in that. We haven't oftentimes when we do that, we haven't really thought it through. We haven't really paid close attention to it because sometimes there could be more than one choice. Another one is here several years ago, the, the family who had a catering company. Oh, the they, cakes. They chose not to do a cake for a gay wedding. Well, do they have a right to do that? Mm -hmm. I think they paid the cost. Um, but could they have said to the gay couple, um, could they have built a relationship with that gay couple? Could they have befriended? Could they love those people instead of not getting to know them, instead of just simply saying, nope, we don't do that? Yeah, they could have chosen that other route. They could have chose to, you know, to stand firm on their convictions, but also stand firm on their evangelistic appeal in that God loves everybody. God cares for everybody. Just because I bake a cake for someone who's robbed a bank doesn't mean I'm a bank robber. Just because I fix the flat tire on, you know, the guy down the block who's, you know, high on crack cocaine every day doesn't mean I'm involved in drug trafficking, right? We can befriend people. Uh, I can have a relative who's committing adultery on his or her spouse, and I don't, I don't have to reject them outright and never talk to them again another day in our lives. There are all kinds of things that we all do that violate the moral will of God that, that we can do. We can still be involved in people's lives and demonstrate to other people the love of the Lord. So I think depending on the particulars of that particular situation, the believer has to make wise choices based on God's word. And those choices are not always this or that. It could be multiple choices and we could still obey the will of God. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to know God's word. Yep. Because there's so many instances that, you know, hey, God abhors the adulterers, homosexuals. You know, we can go to back to the Old Testament and pull up these verses. And if I build my my worldview of other people off of that, I've got no ministry. There's no way because I'm going to I'm going to condemn them. That's the first thought. And I, I did that for many years as a Christ follower. I said, you know, oh, I can't. I can't stand talking to this type of person or this type of person. If I ever saw someone drink alcohol, 
I instantly lost all respect for them. So I just generalized those people. And I just, I didn't want to talk to them. I had to in some cases, but I didn't want to. Well, what was that? That was just the condemning spirit inside of me. But yeah. when I when I start to understand scripture better, and then I start to see, oh, God's God's purpose in this wasn't so that I would alienate this person and push them away, but instead it showed his own compassion and grace and mercy. And if he showed that to that person, can't I, if I'm reflecting Christ? So then all of a sudden I could talk to the person who just got drunk the night before. I could talk to the homosexual. I could talk to the adulterer like you talked about. I could talk to the idol worshiper. And and, and it, it was my ability to build a relationship with that person that could potentially show them later on in life, hey, you know, I, I see that you've been living in this life and I know that you seem to be okay. And I don't know what happens behind closed doors, but you know, I, I've just, I've just prayed over your situation and I, and I've hoped that you would get out of it. I hope that the mm-hmm. Lord would show you the truth. And they're like, you know, now that you mentioned that I haven't had it, I thought I had everything I wanted and I'm, I was, I've just felt empty. Really? Do you want to talk about that? Like, Cause I felt empty at one point too, like junior high, high school, beginning of high school. I felt so empty, felt so just blah. And I, I found this wonderful truth. Can I share that with you? Like, imagine if we could do that more Yeah. For our job. Imagine if we could do that in a, in a ministry or uh, in a, what's called a nonprofit, you know, it doesn't even have to be a, a big job that we traditionally see but yeah i think there's there's plenty of room for the believer who's abiding in the lord and saying okay you know lord i want my will to be your will not necessarily if i'm in this difficult situation to walk away and that brings me to this last one which is what about a conflict of personality whether it's with coworkers or whether it's with uh, your employer or maybe you are the employer maybe you're a small business owner and it's your employees that are bringing up the conflict. So I talked before, you know, conflict and personality types, introverts versus extroverts, hard workers versus slothful workers, uh, or even workaholics in there as well. Some can come into conflict on some sort of company vision or mission statements. And they may be contrary to like my personality. Hey, we want you to go out and and make 10 sales a day. Uh, Well, I'm an introvert. I I can't talk to people. Well, either the job's not for you or you got to adjust for the job. So how do we reconcile this when it comes to abiding in the Lord? Like as we abide in the Lord and we come up with conflicts of personality in our jobs, which I can't imagine there's many jobs out there that you don't have a conflict and personalities with them, whether it's pastors like you or whether it's in the industries or uh, any job. Navy was a huge one that I saw plenty of personality conflict with with my leadership. I got in plenty of fights with my leadership. We had some sassy talks and even, (laughs) you know. Uh, and I I was given a lot of grace because in the submarine. You force, had sassy talks with your leaders in the military? 
Oh, that's I never had one of those. Ooh, well, I never had one of those. But like that I was said, not we a, were we were submarine. That wasn't, that wasn't happening in the 82nd Airborne. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's it's a different different world. But <laughs> submarines are a, a different world in their own. But yeah, yeah. You know, we, we they would accuse me of something, and I would I would have some words for the E9 that was in charge of that, or you know oh, whatever my. it was. And it was just, it was wrong yeah. uh, what they were doing. And I, I brought it up. I didn't bring it up very well because <laughs> I was, I was sleepy. I, didn't, I wasn't getting sleep, but anyway, personality conflicts are a regular thing in our lives, especially at work. And especially when you find that you're working a lot, when you have to work long jobs or uh, long hours. So I think of in my own life, I'll start off and then I, I want to see what you say, Ricky, but I've shared this on the podcast before. I had a huge conflict in personality and, and it, it came from an individual I worked with, a coworker, and then he became somewhat of a subordinate. I, I became a supervisor in a different, mm, different, not department, but a different aspect. And this individual for some reason had an out for me. He didn't like that I was alive and I was breathing. And so he did everything he could to make my life hell. I mean, he, he literally did. He was doing the work of the devil and, and trying to hurt, trying to uh, destroy my stuff, me, um, to intimidate, to bring fear. So this is a, a pretty deep personality conflict, right? This isn't something that it's like, oh, you know, I'm I may be interpreting this wrong. <laughs> no, it's tried to run me off the road multiple times. So that's this is a pretty big one. Yeah. So we talked about this before, but you know, when I when I brought it up to you, I said, This is not fair. I this guy needs to be brought to justice. He needs to be fired. Or or I need to leave my job. Maybe I need to get a camera on my car, but I, I shouldn't live in fear every day. This is wrong. And I was in I was in a lot of conflict personally. Like, what do I do? God help me understand what I'm going to do. And I had a, a leader that I've shared. It. He uh, bringing the story shorter. He said, "Hey, just ignore him. You have more to lose than he does." And I was like, "It's just wrong. It's just wrong." But I kept hearing everyone say, "Just ignore him." And then I was like, "Oh, I don't understand." And then through abiding in the Lord, he brought up Nehemiah and and the incident with. Sambalit and uh, Geshem the Arab. And, and I thought, well, why is that coming up? And then it was like, the question in my mind was, well, what did Nehemiah do with, with those two when they said, hey, come meet us? Because they wanted to inflict harm on him. They wanted him to, to be gone because he was building the walls around Jerusalem. You can find that in the book of Nehemiah. And it was like, the question was answered in my own head. Well, he he ignored them. <laughs> and it was, it was like, you know, that, there's that guy on the, the videos where he, he like sees someone do something and then he just throws his hands out. Like, come on, really? And that's, yeah. that's, that's the image in my head, but that wouldn't have come about had I not been abiding in the Lord. Like, and it, it was taken a lot for me to seek God on that. But ultimately it came about saying, Hey, just ignore them. Don't, yeah. don't, don't involve yourself in that. Right. So instead yeah. of having to leave my job and instead of having to force or, or spend my mission to get this guy fired, 
Instead, I, I just needed to ignore him, not just ignore him, but stay away from this individual, very toxic individual. And the Lord worked out the, the issue. So yeah. that's my personal story on that one. But Ricky, what do you think? What is, how do we reconcile this when we have these conflict issues at work that can be potentially very toxic? Well, you, you, uh, when you first intro that you talked about, you know, the differences that we have with people like personality and stuff like that. And then, and then your, your testimony, your example was this toxic person. So he, he was a different kind of person in a lot of different ways. One, he, you know, he just didn't resonate with you. Right. Uh, you didn't resonate. <laughs> you didn't resonate with him. That's for sure. Definitely and, not. uh, but he had, but he added some some elements of you know the 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 times when he literally in his car tried to he might force you off the road you know some criminal elements so you know you could choose that path that you saw in the word of god with Nehemiah but again this is one of those situations where had you exercised some legal thing you know like if you had a video on a video of him doing that, you know, him getting close to your car with his car, it wouldn't be wrong to say to the cops, hey, this guy tried to run me off the road and he's done it on more than one occasion. That wouldn't be wrong. But yeah. you're able to discern that because of your walk in Christ. You were able to choose a particular path because of your ability to abide in God's word, right? And yeah. that's what we're talking about here, that that nuanced approach because you know the presence of God and the word of God. And when we think of people wherever we're at in the workplace or educational place or volunteer organizations, uh, recreational situations, whatever they might happen to be, the differences between people are formatted in so many different ways. There's the whole personality differences there are quote unquote class differences, you know, rich and poor. Uh, we have different ethnic backgrounds, national backgrounds, uh, you know, down to the basics, male and female. Uh, and, and when we abide in the Lord, we begin to see the world through God's eyes and we begin to see the differences in people's lives. We begin to ask questions that we might not have asked in the past. You know, what is it that's causing this person or that group of people to act in this contrary manner? Why why is this happening? God, help me to see clearly through the lens of your truth I can think of, you know, there's so many different passages of Scripture that come to mind. One of them is the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And he, he wrote this. God wrote this through him. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit of God, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
each of you should look out not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of other to others. In fact, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equity with God the Father in heaven something to hang on to, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even to the point of death. So that's a really strong, nuanced point of view to see people the way Christ sees them. In fact, the, the command in there is, you know, let your attitude be that of Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. Well, how did he humble himself? He saw us for who we are, and he and he met us in that, that melu, or uh, the Apostle Paul in ra wrapping up the letter to the church in, in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica, uh, said, uh, said this, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And just before that, he said, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. You know, there are four different categories of people, the, the idle or the slothful, the timid or the, the person who, is, who feels diminished on the inside. They're very, very discouraged. And also... The weak and the weak are are the socially weak among us. They don't have as much power in society as we do. And then he says, he wraps it up by saying, and then be patient with all of them, with everyone. So all of the Bible is filled with that, those distinctions among individuals. Uh, the book of Proverbs, there's the wise, the simpleton, the fool, and the mocker or the scoffer. Uh, God recognizes the differences in in him in humans, and He gives us the, the wonderful privilege of abiding in Himself, so that we respond to all of them the way He would respond to them. He's a gentleman, and He recognizes not everybody's in the same place at the same time, and how He calls to one person might look differently than how He calls to the other person. So to the highly disobedient comes a strong warning. To the very discouraged comes a great, loving, compassionate word of encouragement. To the person who's unknowing, you know, the true dictionary definition of, of ignorant comes the knowledge of the word of God. So when we're faced with people who one author referred to as irregular people, they're irregular to me. <laughs> I, I was a, a, I can't remember the name of the lady who wrote that book, but, uh, and I think irregular was actually in the title of the book, but, you know, she's making the point, you know, there's those folks in your life who are just not on the same wavelength as you are. <laughs> yeah, they're just not, yeah, right? You know, the, then the biblical point is be really, really careful, right? And and abide well so that you make really good choices. Like I think you did in that particular situation. 
there's probably a couple other choices you could have made and it would have been it would have fit in with the moral will of God. But the one you made was the great nuanced position of that Christ would have you do in that situation. So I think once again, we come back to this idea that if we really, really are abiding in the word of God, letting it dwell within us richly, we're pouring it into our heart, our soul, our mind, then we'll begin to act like Jesus towards people. And we will be able to slow down, think about it, pray about it. What's really going on in this person's life? We might even come to the conclusion, I don't know what's going on in this person's life. But I can see that there might be more than one way to respond to them. Sometimes it's a really hard call. I have to disassociate with somebody. Another time, it's equally hard. I got to lean into somebody that, being perfectly honest, I don't really like. There's a big difference between liking somebody and loving them in Christ, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I think of myself and I go, I don't know if God likes me. <laughs> he probably likes me better than I than he used to. <laughs> There's certainly things he likes more about me than I know he, you know, in the past, way, you know, in my wayward days. Uh because you know, between the ages of 15 and 20. 14 and 20, I, I, I was a hot mess. You know, you know, when people talk about their wayward youth, I, I, I had some serious wayward youth moments and God was not pleased with those, but he doesn't just see us as we are. He takes us as we are and begins to transform us so that we can say, I'm not who I once was. I'm not yet who I will be. And God still loves me right here and now, just the way I am. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Especially that passage from Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, and I love it that that passage resonates with my soul. And so when you ask me the question, you know, boom shakalaka, Philippians pops to mind, Proverbs pops to mind, uh, Nehemiah popped to mind for you, First uh, Thessalonians popped to mind. That's illumination. That is God sharing with us in real time truths about these particular issues that we're talking about. Yeah, I love that. I think this is a good bit that we've talked about with these different conflicts. And I hope, listener, dearest brother or sister in Christ, I hope that you can take this and not see this as, oh, Ricky or Chris said this, this, and this, so I should do this. But instead, I hope it incited maybe a little bit of thought in your life to what you know of scripture and the convictions in your heart and in your mind and the conflicts in your life, especially when it comes to your job. And I, I, Pray and I hope for you to take that to the Lord in your devotion times and and really seek his counsel, really seek wisdom on that, not only in God's word and, and in prayer, but maybe even talking to a, a stronger, more knowledgeable brother or sister in Christ and say, listen, these are the things that I'm struggling with. What do you, what do you think? Um, because there's, 
a great deal of wisdom that was coming to me from others, uh, another brother in Christ. And I just, I wasn't taking it. And maybe you can find that wisdom. Uh, And maybe it's different for you than it is for another brother or sister in Christ. But I want you to know that God didn't leave us defenseless or hopeless. God didn't leave us in this world to fail miserably over and over and over again. He gave us these wonderful tools to use. And I, and I hope and I pray that you open it up and that you really seek a, a transformation and watch what that does to your vocation and to the things that used to drive you nuts and, and used to cause you to stumble. Mm. Um, let's pray. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, I pray over those who are listening. Lord, I pray that you will bring such a wealth of knowledge and discernment, wisdom to their lives as they go about their work and they live their quiet lives and they they work as unto you. And I think that's such an important bit of scripture that we can we can take is work as unto the Lord. What does that mean, Lord? Help us to understand that more and more in relation to these different conflicts that we've talked about, but even expanding in the mind of a believer more. What does that mean for even more philosophical or other types of conflict that that I couldn't even think of? Well, what does that mean if if I'm still working unto you? I, I pray that you will bring that into the mind of the believer if they're going through that circumstance and reinforce who they are, who they are in you and that you're sovereign over everything, that like we've said before, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And perhaps if a job isn't worth it, or perhaps if if I feel strongly enough that I need to take a stand, that I can live with the consequence of that, knowing that you're on the throne. So remind us daily, Lord, that you are sovereign and that you are the one on the throne, that you are our provider, Jehovah Jireh, that you're our banner, Jehovah Nisi, and that you will continue to walk through it, all of these different trials, conflicts with us, and um, and that you're with us, that you've given us your spirit as a promise, that you haven't left us, but that you're preparing a place for us. And, uh, and I ask that you just give us that reminder so that we realize that, you know, even these, vo- vo- even these vocations, they are temporary and that our our true abode is in heaven and um, and is with you. So Lord, help us with that. We pray that uh, you'll give us wisdom and knowledge and knowing when to walk away and knowing when to stay and and, uh, knowing when to speak and when to stay quiet. Pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about, and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.